we know, everybody knows, the whole world knows that humankind would not exist without women. But we know even more specifically that the world that we know, the world that has you in it, would not be the same if you were not here. And so I just want you to know this morning, and I'm going to talk predominantly to this side since this is where all the ladies are mostly today, is that you are loved, valued, and highly esteemed. But you know what? There's also a second purpose for these bouquets today. These flowers are going to serve as our sermon illustration. I don't know about you, but I love a good visual aid. Anybody with me on that? All right, my people, my people. That's right. Um, So I tell you what, even if you aren't with me, we're still going to use them as an illustration. So just strap in for that. But uh, what the question is, what do they illustrate? I could tell you this morning that they just simply illustrate springtime. I mean, we have April showers that bring May flowers and all that jazz, right? But no, that's not what they illustrate. And I could tell you that um, because I am a product of the 70s, that um, it's just, you know, a whole hippie thing, and it's the era of the flower child. But no, 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 that's not what it represents either. And I could tell you that because of all the beautiful women here today, that um, it just represents your youthful glow, your beauty, your vibrancy, your timelessness. Okay, and that represents a flower of youth, right? But no, 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 it doesn't represent that either. But that's okay. I want you to go ahead, just take a minute. You bask in that compliment. Okay, that's you this morning. You're ageless and breathtaking. Come on, take that in, take that in. Doesn't that feel good? Yes, I receive it too. That's the reason. Uh, But here's the deal. Here's the real reason why I brought this bouquet this morning. And it's really profound. Are you ready? It's called a woman's prerogative. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Yeah, here's the thing. Pastor Tim asked me to preach today. So guess what? I get to do what I want to do, right? So that's that's what's happening. Seriously, though, there is a more more profound reason. We're going to be using these beautiful bouquets to set the stage for our message today. And we're going to be exploring the depths of one very specific passage. And my hope is that by the end of this message today, that we're going to understand the depths and loves of our Savior just a little bit more. How does that one sound? That sound like a good reason? All right, so let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this service today. I thank you for every single person that's here, ready to hear your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just flow through me this morning and that you would get your message across. Lord, we give you this service and we ask that you would have your way. Just open our hearts to fresh understanding in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so for our text today, it's going to be centered around the Song of Solomon Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And the title of this message is Hand Picked. So if you want to turn in your Bible and follow along, that's great. In a little bit, we'll put the scripture on the screen for you too. But before we get to that specific passage, I want to just give you a little bit of background on this book. This is a book about love. Very passionate love, I might add. And it's as told by King Solomon himself. And it was actually a song that he, um, and it was considered to be really the very best song of all times, which is why your your translation, wherever you're following along from today, it might say Song of Solomon or it might say Song of Songs, as in the song of all songs, the very best song. If there was a Hebrew chart back in the day, it would have been at the top for like years. I mean, it was that kind of good song. 
And it's one of six books in the Bible that are books of poetry. And in case you're interested, those other five books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, um, Lamentations. And if you read the entire Song of Solomon, you're going to find that it's only eight chapters long, but it contains some of the most risque dialogue in the entire Word of God. In fact, most preachers stay entirely away from this book, but not me. (laughs) I love this book. In fact, the last time that I preached out of this passage, it was a New Year's Day sermon. And it was one of those sermons that there were a lot of theatrics involved. And uh, at the end of the service, I decided I was setting everybody out of there with a bang. And I mean literally, I set off a confetti cannon. And um, there was this 96-year-old lady sitting on the front row, Sister Ethel. And let me just say that I really thought she was going to start her new year in heaven that day. It startled her so badly. I mean, it no joke, Jeff is my witness. I fired that thing off, and it would have flown from here to, like, the McDonald's parking lot. It was nuts. And the janitors really didn't like me very much that day. <laughs> but um, so, you know what, maybe we'll revisit this passage in January. You know, we'll, re- we'll revitalize that sermon. <laughs> but anyway, I, I do think it's one a fun book to, um, for a sermon. And today is going to be one of those Sundays And you're going to find that this is more of a teaching today than a preaching, which is not usually my style, but I really think that we're going to all find some practical application. Um, So here, let's get started on it. If we look at uh, the beginning of the book, Solomon starts off the lyrics of this song by addressing his beloved. Now, we don't know his beloved's name, but what we do know is that she is a young Shulamite woman. And he addresses her with some really powerful compliments. And when he does, when, yeah, when he addresses her, she becomes completely enamored with him. Now, isn't that how all good love stories begin? Come on, ladies, yeah. I mean, it's kind of uh, weird, but I can tell you I remember Jeff's first compliments me. Uh, we started dating when I was just 16 years old. His family started attending our church. And he walks up to me and says, hey, I like your red jeans. I mean, that is a little bit of a weird compliment, but what can I say? It worked for me. <laughs> I mean, it was the 90s, and I was a pretty cool dresser. In fact, I had given myself that same compliment that day, you know, but, <laughs> but it worked for us. Here we are, what, almost 29 years later, but, <laughs> but yeah, but that is the kind of compliment that he decided was going to work for her, and uh this is what he says. He, he says something that completely sweeps her off her feet. In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. I mean, is that a great pickup line or what? Come on, ladies. Who doesn't want to be compared to a filly, right? A horse. It's okay to laugh. I don't, I don't really want to be compared to a, a horse. Um, <laughs> no thanks. I don't need any livestock. If he would have, I mean, like my reaction would have been, um, nay, and uh, Solomon, you better be ponying up something better than that. I mean, right? That, that's the kind of compliment that he gives this girl. But remember, this was Solomon's song. So he was the one writing these words. And in his fantasy, this is what worked, right? 
This was the, it got the response that he wanted. And in this love ballad, Solomon imagines his Shulamite maiden so smitten with his poetic words that her response can be nothing less than this. This is the main context for our, our study today, which is chapter 2, verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon, she says, a lily of the valleys. That was her response. Now, let's break this down because what on earth does she actually mean by that? Well, she says first that I am the rose of Sharon. That's the first part of that. And if we don't understand the reference here, then we might interpret the Shulamite woman's response to be, oh, lucky me. I stand out among all the other women at Solomon's court. Her response kind of sounds like she's complimenting herself and She's relating herself to be a lone, beautiful flower growing in a, you know, a, a full of weeds, an area full of weeds. But if we dig into the historical context of this scripture, I would suggest to you that that's not at all what she's saying. So let's look at it. First, the Hebrew word for rose is habasheleth. Okay, now I want you to try to say it with me because that's really fun. Ready? Habasheleth. You got a really hawker at the beginning of it. Yeah, all right. Stop. That's not. That's really sad. Let's just call. We'll just stick with Rose. We'll stick with Rose. And Sharon is a plain. Okay, it's a thirty-mile piece of land that stretches along the Mediterranean Sea. It starts in the mountains of Palestine and it extends to the hill country just west of Jerusalem and east of um, the uh, Gilead and the Jordan in that area. Just a skinny stretch of land. And it's a, it's a plain that's celebrated for its beauty and fertility because of the rich soil and the natural fountains that run along the coast. And so it makes it really easy for things to grow there. And there's a certain time of year when that tract is completely overrun with flowers. Now, most translations of this verse say, Rose of Sharon, but I hate to break it to you, ladies, um, this the flower that grows on these plains are not actually roses like you and I know roses. In fact, depending on which translation that you're reading from today, it might say something like wildflower or spring crocus or even narcissus. So even though rose is not the literal translation, I just brought you a rose for your table today, as did Lloyd, because we know that we like roses, don't we, ladies? And no offense to Shakespeare, but I disagree with his famous words, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Because I don't think there's anything sweet smelling about a crocus or a narcissus. All right? I mean, a crocus kind of sounds like a death flower, am I right? Kind of like, don't pick that one, you might croak. In a narcissus, let's be real, the only person that's going to love a narcissist is a narcissist. All right. All right, so then let's look at the second half of this verse. A lily of the valley. The Hebrew word for lily... Susan. I mean, Rose is Habashoth. But Lily, oh, it's just Susan. I think we can pronounce that one all right. And if we study the language, we learn that the word Hebrew here, the word for Lily, does not actually necessarily just mean Lily. Instead, it refers to the entire genus of this particular flower. So it could be Lily, or it could be a lotus, an iris, a gladiolus that she was referring to here. But just to keep it simple, you've got a, a lily on your table today. Because regardless of which particular flower Solomon was actually intending in this uh, poetic song, the point is, is that 
the, this particular genus of flowers grew wild in the valley. And the word for valley can translate as vale or lowlands. So knowing all that I just told you, all of that background, what is this Shulamite woman trying to say about herself? Well, I believe that she's saying, I'm nothing special. I'm just one of many roses growing among thousands of roses that are overrunning the plain. I'm not one in a million. I'm just one of a million. There's nothing significant about me. There's, I'm not extraordinary in any way. I just blend into the scenery of the lowlands, and there's a valley around me, and no one sees me. Now, maybe her response You know, it could have been false modesty. Maybe she was just fishing for a compliment from Solomon. I suppose that could be. I mean, do you ever know someone like that? Typically, it just means that that person is feeling pretty low at the moment, dealing with some self-esteem issues, and they just need some encouragement. So that could be it. Or it could be that the Shulamite woman really did feel this way, like she wasn't anything special at all. And we don't know exactly why these particular words are in the Bible, but I do think it's sitting for a moment and re- worth sitting for a moment in reflection. Because I just wonder if there's anyone here this morning, and you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you've felt like this Shulamite woman before. Have you ever felt invisible or unnoticed? Have you ever felt like you were nothing special? Maybe felt a little insecure? I think if we're honest, we probably all have at some point. But if that's by chance how you feel today, then I want you to hear, I mean really hear, Solomon's response to what she says this morning. And it's verse 2. This is what he says, because I really think that this is the Lord's response to all of us today. He says, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. So what's he saying? He's saying, not only do I see you, but you stand out among all the other flowers. In fact, no other woman compares to you. I see something in you that I don't see in any other woman in my court. That's why I chose you. That's why I handpicked you for myself. Isn't that good? Solomon kind of redeems himself there a little bit, far better than that earlier line about the filly and all that. Yeah, <laughs> Friends, I want you to know this morning that that's how the Father sees you. He loves you so much that before he formed you in your mother's womb, he set you apart from every other flower in the field. And you're so valuable to him that he knows every hair on your head and every stretch mark on your stem. And because you're so precious to him, he gave his life for you so that you can grow deep roots, be nourished by his rich soil, and bask in the warmth of his everlasting light. You know, many people believe that this passage of scripture is not just a passionate song between two people, but it's it's actually a love sonnet symbolizing how Jesus loves his bride, the church. And although I don't know what Solomon's original intent was, neither do all the 
theologians that have gone before me and many scholars throughout the years, you can read plenty of arguments for and against. But here's what I do know this morning, is that truth is truth. And all truth belongs to God. It does not originate from the pit of hell. If it's true, it came from heaven. Are you agreeing with me this morning? Okay. So now that you know that and we agree on that, I don't think it's far, you know, far-fetched to believe that this is related to Christ because what I just spoke over you is truth. You are special. You are loved. And you are one of a kind. So let's not get caught up in the audience of who this passage was necessarily intended for. Let's just remember who we are to God. And to him, we mean everything. If you go on to read the next two verses, verses 3 and 4, we see that the Shulamite woman, she was able to do that. She suddenly knew what she meant to Solomon. And she was able to reconcile Solomon's words to herself rather quickly when he said to her, you are like a lily among thorns. Suddenly something changed in how she saw herself. She came into agreement with the king. And so then her response was this, verse 3, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. So what do I mean that she reconciled his words? What I mean is that she, how he viewed her helped her to see how she viewed him. She saw something in him that she needed for herself. And so she called him an apple tree among all the other trees. Meaning not only did she stand out to him, but he stood out to her. She realized that he wasn't like every other tree in the forest. He wasn't a pine tree. He wasn't a cedar tree or some other kind of non-fruit-bearing tree. Come on. He could offer her something that no one else could, some much-needed fruit. And so she longed to be with him and be satisfied by his fruit. I don't know if you're connecting the dots here, but I think you are. The traits that attracted this young woman to Solomon are the same traits that attract you and I to Jesus. When we gaze upon his beauty, we see something in him that we need for ourselves. And when we look around the forest at all the other trees, the ones that are trying to get our attention and get us to be attracted to them and, and derail us and distract us, when we see him and identify that it's his branches that we need, then we know that we can go to him and we're not going to be famished any longer. He fills us up and he takes away those pangs of hunger. And he lets us sit and rest under the shade of his leaves. And we know that it's going to be a place where we can find refreshing and coolness. We know his presence is a canopy that provides us protection and relief from the harsh elements called life. Isn't that good? Mm. To know that Jesus is all we need him to be. He sees us and we see him. He loved us, so now we can love him. That's how it, that's the love of Jesus. That is what this passage means to me. I'm going to wrap this message up today, or start heading that way anyway, because I know that many of you, you've got Mother's Day plans and other celebrations that you want to get to. 
And we could seriously keep going on and on and reading the rest of this book, this passage. It's so good. But instead, I want to encourage you to just read this on your own this week and just sit with the Holy Spirit and let him just minister to you and process some even deeper truth than I was able to share with you today. But I just want to stop here and just give an opportunity for us to respond to what we've learned and heard and what we feel the Lord stirring in our heart today. So sound booth, if I could maybe just get a little bit of music in the background, that would be great. As we get ready to, to close, I want to focus on the last part of this passage today, which is verse 4. He leads me to the banqueting table. His banner over me is love. And I want you to remember what I said to you just a few moments ago when we were talking about the valley. I told you that the Hebrew word for valley means veil, and that the Shulamite woman felt like no one saw her down in the valley. It was like a symbolic veil covering her. And this veil caused her to believe a lie, that she wasn't special, that she wasn't enough. But here's the deal. <laughs> Once Solomon told her the truth of who she was, her perception changed. And in that moment, she traded that veil. She took that veil off and she received a banner. She no longer felt shrouded, she felt seen. The covering of the enemy was removed and the banner of the Lord was put on. The truth that the enemy tried so hard to conceal, the Lord made sure to reveal. And I believe that this morning he wants to reveal some of that truth to you today. And so I'm going to ask that you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to give you a moment to respond. You know, I think it's interesting that two of the songs that we sang this morning had to do about this very subject matter, and Jeff and I did not talk ahead of time or plan any of this. And so for me, listening to those first two songs, it was just confirmation that the Lord wants to do a work this morning in you. He was wanting to make it very clear, and whether it was through song or whether it's through this moment right now or through his word, there's something that he wants you to receive today. In that first song, it said, I'll lift you high in the lowest valley. We just talked about that. There are people here this morning, you're, you might be feeling like you're in a valley. In that second song, it said, all my fountains are in you and I eat at your table. Nothing satisfies like you. Wow. So I just know that the Lord is here this morning and he's wanting, he's just wanting to remind some people of his goodness today. And guys, I know this message was geared toward women. I mean, it is Mother's Day. But men, it's meant for you too. Because again, truth is truth. So would you just sit here this morning and let truth just do a work in your heart? And as we spend this time in response, I want you to just open your hearts to the Holy Spirit men and women alike, and let him just minister to you right now. I don't know how you feel about yourself today. Maybe you just need to be reminded that regardless of all the other flowers in the world, you are special. You are God's workmanship, his very best work indeed. And you have been handpicked. 
You have been created for his good pleasure, satisfaction, and delight. And he designed you with intricacies of his very own image. He called you before you were born, and he set you apart to do work that only you can do because you are one of a kind. So maybe today you feel like you're a lily in the valley, and you're in a really low spot And maybe it feels like no one sees you down there. If that's you, I just want you to do me a favor and I want you to reconcile in your heart right now that Jesus sees you. You are not alone. He is for you. He is with you. And he can lift you out of that valley today. Or maybe you're here this morning and you realize that your life's been kind of like a wildflower And you've just been roaming the forest, looking to all the wrong trees. And they have left you feeling empty and fruitless. And you know right now that what you need is a fruit tree. And I don't know what kind of fruit that means for you, but this is what I know you get from Jesus' branches. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So I want to invite you to come and eat this morning. Come and pick whatever fruit that you need. There's a limitless supply of food at his table. You don't have to ration. In fact, this is one meal where you can eat and eat and not even have to count the calories. (laughs) So go ahead. Stop yourself full of love if that's what you need. Gobble up his goodness. Feast on his faithfulness. Come and eat. Just take the next couple moments and let's just respond. What is the Lord speaking to you today? Is there a lie that you need to stop believing? What fruit do you need to eat? Let the Holy Spirit minister you to you right now. Listen to what he has to say. Lord, I just hear you saying this morning that there's at least one person here suffering from a broken heart. And woman, I want you to know that he sees you. He sees your broken heart. And if you'll let him, he wants to mend that heart. He wants to give you so much joy Joy unlike anything you've ever known. Unspeakable joy. He's inviting you to eat that fruit this morning. Come let him do what he wants to do.
Lord, the reality is that every single person here needs you. Not one of us can say we don't have need of you because we do. Great, great need. And I can only speak for myself, but I know there was a time when I tried to tell myself that I didn't need you. And things didn't go quite the way that I wanted them to go. And it wasn't until I was able to reconcile your word for myself that I knew how much you love me, Lord. And so for the person here today that feels like they're in that valley, maybe that valley represents depression, maybe it represents loneliness, maybe it represents that they just feel like they're covered in a veil and no one sees them and no one cares. God, you do. They're not alone. You're in that valley with them. You never leave them or forsake them. And Lord, you're the helping hand that gets them back out of that valley. And so, God, would you just <laughs> remind us today that you're there for, for all of us. You're here, and you're ministering already, and we're so thankful. We're so thankful for what you're doing in this moment. I thank you that you're a well that never runs dry. I thank you that in you we live and move and have our being because you're the fountain that we need. Lord, I thank you that you are the real tree, the tree of life. I'm intentionally delaying this morning because I just feel like the Holy Spirit's not done. And there's more ministry that he's wanting to do right now. I'm going to ask you to stand. Will you stand all across this room? Let's just get, in our, get ourselves in a position or a posture and just to just let him work a little bit more to just do a, continue the work that he started this morning. Lord, we know you're here. We know you're moving. So we just intentionally posture ourselves this morning, ready to receive all that you have for us. Would you just open your hands to heaven this morning? Open your hands. Let him fill you with all that he wants to give you this morning. Mm. All of his goodness. Lord, we receive. <laughs> and we're sorry for the times when we've tried to take a hold of something that wasn't what you had for us. 
empty kind of fruit. This morning, our eyes are turned toward heaven. We're gazing upon your beauty. And we recognize that you're the only one that can satisfy. So we linger in your presence this morning. And we say, come fill us up, Holy Spirit. Come fill us up until we overflow with all of your goodness and all of your love and all of your joy. That this would be a day when we leave this place completely changed and transformed by the power of God. Lord, I thank you for how you have moved and spoken today, how you have ministered to your people. No one's here this morning by chance. This was a message that you needed them to hear, and so God, I thank you that you're going to continue to use the power of your word to do beautiful things this week. And Lord, that when we leave this place, you're going to be continually reminding us of how much you love us, how special we are, how you died for us. Because I know, Jesus, that if there was only one person, you still would have, the same outcome would have happened. You still would have taken that cross upon yourself for one. Lord, I thank you for that kind of love this morning. And we, we give you permission to just continue to work in us this week and reveal to us more and more of your character. Reveal more and more of who you are to us, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And again, we celebrate every mother here today. And I ask for a special blessing to be put upon them. As we go our separate ways today, Lord, may your spirit go before us and continually remind us of your goodness. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.